In a world where... Is this thing on? Barely. This episode of the Just John podcast is brought to you by the random fact that after filming Ned Stark's death scene for Game of Thrones, Sean Bean played football with the replica of his decapitated head. And two of the most amazing patrons on the planet. Find out how you can become a patron of the show by heading on over to justjohnpodcast.com support. What up, homies? I'm your host, John Medina, and this, my fine, fine ladies and gentlemen, is the Just John Podcast, episode 39 for the week of May 21st. Today on the show, Prison Break, Civ 6, The Death of Flash, and more. Do the chickens have large talons? 48-year prison break. A boat repairman well-known in his small Connecticut town was exposed last week as a robbery convict who escaped 48 years ago from a prison work camp in Georgia. Robert Stackowitz, 71, was arrested last Monday by Connecticut state troopers and U.S. Marshals at his home in Sherman, a town of about 3,600 people along the New York border. He had been serving a 17-year sentence for robbery in August of 1968 when he escaped from the infirmary at a prison work camp in Carleton, Georgia. He was charged with robbery by force in 1966 in Henry County, Georgia. He was detained on a $75,000 bail and is expected to be sent back to Georgia in the coming weeks. Look, I understand, I, I know the purpose of prison is to punish you for your crimes. That's why they send you to prison. But the underlying purpose of prison is to change who you are, right? To to teach you that what you did was wrong and that you cannot be a productive member of society if you do whatever crime in question it is again, and that when you are released from prison, you will be able to be a functioning member of society again. That's the whole purpose of prison. And I understand that escaping from prison is another crime and that the punishment for that, I think, is a life sentence. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Uh, I'm not 100% on that, but like 90% sure that if you escape from prison and you're recaptured, you get a life sentence in prison, which, I mean, dude's like 71 years old, so a life sentence for him isn't extremely long, but he's still going to end up probably dying in prison because of this. But the messed up part about this story is that he spent 48 years being a productive member of society. He started his own boat repair business, he lived in this small town, and as far as we know, he never committed another crime. So even though he only spent two years of his 17-year stint in prison actually in prison, it was effective, right? He went to prison, did not like prison escaped from prison, which, okay, yes, I know that's a crime, but he never committed another crime. He started a business, and he became a functioning member of society, which is the whole point of prison in the first place. And I know they want to make an example of him because he escaped from prison and they discovered him, so they can't just let him go because there is a warrant out for his arrest. But I think it's a little messed up that because the prison system worked for once in our lives and that this guy left, 
and became a functioning member of society and did not commit any more crimes, that they still want to take him back to prison. I just don't understand the logic in it. And once again, I know he committed another crime by escaping from prison, but that was 48 freaking years ago, dude. Like, if you're being a productive member of society, you're not committing crimes, let it go. Don't waste taxpayer money to put a man back in prison that does not need to be in prison. The force will be with you. Always. Civilization 6. The next Civilization game is on its way. Last week it was announced that Civ 6 will be launching on PC on October 21st. That makes it the first main entry in the series since Civ 5 back in 2010. I love Civilization so much, and and I'm so excited because of all the new things that they're adding into this game, and I can't wait to talk about it. While we don't know many of the details and the new features that are coming to Civ 6, we do know a few key changes for the game. Chief among them is that cities will now play a bigger role by being bigger. Instead of taking up a single tile like they have in the previous game, cities can now expand across multiple tiles, and where you place them is now of greater importance. The key to this success is the districts, important sections of the city that now take up their own tiles. So, for example, a campus district will be home to all science buildings, so you can't build a library or a research lab until you have the right district. Location also matters. For example, if you put a city near a body of water, you're going to get a huge bonus when it comes to researching new water-related technologies like sailing. Every tech in the game has these specific boosts, so depending on where you want your powerhouses to come from, you will want to strategically place your cities in different locations. Another big change that's coming to the game is the historical figures that you'll be playing against. Civ 6 introduces a new concept dubbed Dynamic Diplomacy which basically is a motivation for the AI characters that change over the course of the game, based on how you interact with them. Developers were quoted as saying, each leader has a historical agenda that's associated with them that reflects in some way who they were in history. Now, these agendas will influence their behavior, which can change depending on what you do as a player in the game. For example, if a character is obsessed with building wonders, like the pyramids and Stonehenge, and you're building a lot of them as well, your relationship with that character is going to be strained because they don't want you taking all of their glory. This is also going to help make each game different and more unique because in the past you didn't really piss off people until you started trying to take over their stuff. But on this one, they're going to be pissed off at you even if you're just building your own stuff or researching your own technology, kind of like the real world. But Overall, those are just some minor developments, and while they're exciting, they're not massive changes to the game, but did the game really need massive changes? Of course, they tweaked some stuff to make it a better game, and it'll have better graphics, and yada yada yada, but I mean, Civ V was a great game. It sold more than 8 million copies in 6 years, which for a computer game, is, that's pretty hefty, That's not that's not that bad at all, really. And there's no point in radically changing the game that's going to upset your core consumer base that's going to buy your new game. And granted, you may attract some new players, but your chances of attracting as many players as you turn off by completely rearranging the game and changing everything about it is slim to none. So I I think that's why they they didn't change a lot about 
actual gameplay and the whole premise behind the game. It's kind of like that whole Doom situation. People wanted a Doom, new Doom game that was like the old Doom games, but just updated with better graphics and just minor little tweaks and stuff here and there. And they did it, and it's a great game. If they would have, when they tried to make completely different Doom games that didn't follow with the traditional play of the originals it just fluttered out and really didn't do anything and was a huge flub i'm really excited about this game and i can't wait for it to come out so october 21st again is the date and when it comes out i'm sure i'll start talking about it more on here as i play it and work through it and find out some stuff that you guys may be interested in about that game some avocado the death of flash and I don't mean Flash as in Barry, Barry Allen or Wally West, the Flash. I mean Flash on your computer, Adobe Flash. Flash's death has been slow and painful. It's been coming on for a few years now, and Google is planning to deal it another and probably pretty close to its final blow. Google detailed plans to start blocking most Flash content in Chrome with the change targeted toward the end of this year. Under its current vision, nearly every website would have Flash content blocked by default. Visitors would still be able to enable Flash content on a site-by-site basis, but they would have to specifically choose to do so. Chrome would display a prompt offering to enable Flash, and if chosen, Chrome would remember to run Flash on that site for all future visits. Only 10 sites would have Flash enabled by default, which are dubbed as the top 10 domains using Flash, to avoid people with too many prompts, which I don't know why, because it would just be 10 times if you went to every single one of these sites, but whatever. Those sites include YouTube, Facebook, Yahoo, Twitch, and Amazon, but they'll only have a one-year exemption. After that, they'll have Flash blocked by default, just like everyone else. I do want to point out that one of the sites that's not going to immediately have Flash blocked by default is YouTube, which is a site that's owned by Google which is the company that is initiating this whole entire thing. I think that's a little weird. I I honestly didn't realize that YouTube still used Flash. I thought it was all HTML5 by now, but whatever. I don't know. But I just, I thought that was kind of funny and a little weird and interesting, I guess I could say. To further encourage the change, Chrome won't simply be blocking Flash. It'll just pretend like Flash isn't even installed. So if a website does have a backup HTML5 player, people using Chrome will see that rather than a prompt to enable Flash. If you're interested in trying this out early to see what it would be like, you can already enable the settings that Google is planning to switch over to, but they're buried inside of Chrome's preference pages. So if you go to Privacy and then Content Settings, you can find an option called let me choose when to run plugin content and that will block all flash content until you right click on it and choose to have it enabled. One of the other interesting things about this is that even Adobe doesn't think people should use flash any longer so there probably won't be a huge pushback on Chrome's changes. I mean to be honest half half of the sites that you use are already using HTML5 and you just don't know it. Now when this change comes out if you are a Chrome user you will notice the sites that don't use HTML5, but I have a feeling that those will change pretty quick because they don't want people to stop going to their website. I think that this is just a natural change in the way that we use the internet. I mean, it it, it goes through stages, just like everything else in the world and in life. It's just another stage. Flash is not as secure 
it's just old. And I'm not saying that old is bad because not all things that are old are bad, but when it comes to security and technology, things move so fast and change so fast that something as old as Flash is just kind of bad. So I think this is a good change. And I, as I said before, I don't think that it will cause a big issue. And I don't see a lot of websites not having HTML5 backups just to avoid people having to go through the trouble of enabling Flash on their site and risking people not coming to their website. all right we are about halfway through the show which means it's time to play some music if you are or if you know an underground artist that you would like to have featured on the show please 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 submit your suggestions at justjohnpodcast.com slash song and i will be sure to play it as soon as i can the song that i'm playing today is called media and it's by the band zublu
Again, that song was called Media, and it was by the band Zoo Blue. So, as usual, if you enjoyed that song and you want to hear more by them, you can find out all the different ways to follow them in the show notes below. Hey, uh, can I have a McRib meal? Large size with the Dr. Pepper. So Google had their big Google I.O. event this week, but because of my recording schedule, I'm not able to do a full review of all of the different things that Google featured during their Google I.O. until next week's episode. But in its stead, I do have one thing to talk about that Google released before they actually had their I.O. event. So I want to talk about that and then come back next week because most of the at least first half of the episode, if not the first half of the episode, will be completely about Google I.O.'s event and all of the different cool things that they released, which are a ton of things. I've got a ton of stuff to sort through to figure out what exactly I want to talk to you guys about. Google Image Ads. As more of today's consumers shop online using their mobile devices, often bypassing Google for e-commerce sites directly, especially Amazon, Google is moving to combat the trend by launching its own visual shopping ad. Basically what this is is that when shoppers are browsing through Google image search results, they'll now see ads for related products. So you go to Google Images and you type toaster oven or whatever, you're going to see pictures of toaster ovens just like normal, but you're also going to see full picture ads for toaster ovens. Google's new filter buttons will also be used with the ads, allowing customers to narrow down what they're looking for and then be directed to the retailer who sells them. Google said that when people are browsing product images today without any kind of information attached to them, they have questions like what the price is or where they can buy the item and different things like that. So with this launch, when a customer now sees one of these image-based ads, they can click through and have those questions answered and they can buy the product immediately from the retailer's website. Google also says that its advertisers' ads are automatically eligible to be displayed on Google Image Search as part of the Google Search Network. While shopping ads and image search was one of the bigger announcements for the online advertising community this week, it wasn't the only news related to mobile shopping. Google is also now allowing retailers to cater to the online shopping trend where customers buy online, then pick up at their local store. So starting this last week, retailers can display if they offer this feature by adding a store pickup link to their Google-hosted local product page. Kohl's helped Google beta test this feature, basically pilot test this feature, I guess, and reported a 40 to 50% increase in click-throughs to its website. In addition, advertisers who use local inventory ads will now see their inventory searchable on google.com in the local knowledge panel. This is the box that pops up with other information like store hours and directions, etc, etc. We also got an update about Google Express, which is Google's same-day delivery service. Google said that mobile accounted for half of its Google Express orders. Over 50% of Google Express customers are new, and sales have grown by 18%. Google says that it's continuing to expand the service, and with the addition of 23 million coming online next month in Texas, Google Express will reach over 120 million customers. Now, I have no experience with Google Express because I live in BFE, Missouri, where Google Express will not exist for at least five years, if not 10 years. I'm not blaming Google for this. I'm blaming my small town that would have no reason or capability to produce next day shipping or same day delivery. The only benefit that it would have is that if the local Walmart had something in stock and you ordered it, it would be here and you wouldn't have to drive the literal 10 minutes 
no matter where you're at in town, to get to Walmart. So I don't know much about Google Express, but it sounds cool. And if you have experienced Google Express, tweet at me at M underscore Revo and let me know how your experience with Google Express was. This is against my civil rights. Formbox, a desktop vacuum former that makes beautiful things. This is an interesting Kickstarter that I came across the other day while I was scrolling around on social media, and they claim to be quicker than a 3D printer, easier than baking a cake, and powered by your vacuum cleaner. It's called the Formbox, and it's a compact vacuum former that gets you making straight out of the box. Basically, how it works is that you select your materials and insert them into the foam box. You then choose the 3D template that you want to mold and place it on the form box bed. Switch on the heater to warm up the material, pull the heated material over the template, and switch the vacuum on to make the 3D form. It's kind of cool, and it's a little tiny bit cheaper than a 3D printer, but it's not much cheaper than a 3D printer and you can't exactly make completely original things because you have to form it over something that you already have. And I mean, you could kind of tweak it and do some different things, but overall it still has to retain the shape of whatever you whatever you put the material over. It is really cool though and I think it's I think people are going to do some awesome awesome things with it. So if you pledge $349 or more, you can get a phone box before anyone else and you get a maker pack, which has a bunch of different things like the whatever the filament is that they're using and the the box itself, of course, and and some uh, bonus molds that they're going to provide to you, which that's the whole, that's the only downside of this really, right, is that with a 3D printer, all you need is the software and you can pretty much if you have the skills make anything you want or find someone that can make it for you and then bam just print it out on your printer now with the form box you have to already have something in that shape in order to print it out and in order to actually utilize it because it can't make something out of nothing there has to be some basis there and it doesn't have the computer chips or the capabilities to print something when nothing was there before. So it's still a cool idea and I think it'll work out decently. Uh, They've got a ton of support. They've got about 12 days left with their Kickstarter and they had a $50,000 goal and 1,345 backers have provided them with $460,265. So this is definitely happening. It's definitely being made. But uh, yeah, and yeah, it might be quicker than a 3D printer because some 3D print projects can take almost a day, if not over a day. But you're also typically not 3D printing stuff you already have. You're 3D printing stuff you want. Now, this is great for people that are making like cosplay and they need like 500 different little jewels that well not different but 500 individual little jewels that all look the same they can make it really quick fast and easy on here versus maybe not so easily on a 3d printer but in terms of uh, replacing your 3d printer a great idea but i don't think it's going to be able to replace a 3d printer not until they figure out how to allow it to be a 3d printer can I get apps and zerts? Zerts are what I call desserts. Tray trays or entrees. I call sandwiches Sammy's, Sandoozles, or Adam Sandler's. Air conditioners are cool blasters with a Z. 
I don't know where that came from. I call cakes, big old cookies. I call noodles, long ass rice. Fried chicken is fry fry, chicky chick. Chicken parm is chicky chicky parm parm. Chicken cacciatore, chicky catch. I call eggs, pre-birds or future birds. Root beer is super water. Tortillas are bean blankies. And I call forks, food rakes. It's about time to wrap up the show, but first... I want to do an app review. The app that I'm reviewing this week is called Punch the Trump. Uh, Of course, I downloaded it because I kind of wanted to see what it's about. So basically, you're uh, in a boxing ring and you just have to knock Trump out before he knocks you out. But I did have a couple things that really annoyed me with this game. First, when I downloaded it and installed it, before I even got to a menu screen or anything, I I just opened the app. And immediately an ad played. And that really annoyed me. I understand that the whole free-to-play model is that I don't have to pay for the game, but I have to be subject to ads during the game, and that's fine. But I think it's a really, really bad habit to hit your potential player with an ad before they even get to see the game. It's just ridiculous. And it, it really, it almost stopped me from playing the game, but I really wanted to review it for you guys. So I, I powered through that. It's a pretty basic game. You've got four different controls. You can do a light right hook, a hard right hook, a light left hook, a hard left hook, and you can block. So when, you know, Trump punches back, you can block and then You hit him in different combos, and you can get certain amount of points. And when he gets low on health, he does this rage mode where he could, like, annihilate you. So you definitely have to make sure to block when he does that. And for each match you win, you get a certain amount of, like, little cash coins or whatever. And you can use those coins to upgrade. So, you like, you can get get brass knuckles and different things like that. And you get, depending on your score four to six gold coins every match and an upgrade like your brass knuckles were 10 gold coins so it doesn't take an extremely long time to get some upgrades and it was a decent game I I'm not I probably won't ever play it again I'm gonna be completely honest and I hadn't uninstalled it yet and a few days ago I was just sitting there and this super annoying notification popped up on my phone I got the normal notification at the top but it also had donald trump's voice saying it's disgusting well that's a horrible donald trump impression but whatever i'm not an impressionist but it was just the most obnoxious push notification ever and you know i'm not a big i don't really care if if i get push notifications most of the time i either click on it or i swipe it away and i don't have to deal with it again but that one really 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 annoyed me so Overall, not even a game really worth downloading, but if you want to punch Trump a few times, download it and bear through the ads. Oh, speaking of ads, there's also an ad after every time you do it, you have a little boxing match, so you get to play the game for about a minute, 30 seconds to a minute, maybe a minute and a half, and then you have to watch an ad. So there's just way too many ads in the game, and it's just overall, it's not that fun. Yeah, you get to punch Trump, cool, whatever, but just not they could have done a lot better with this app and not one of my favorite low energy i'm not impressed if you enjoyed the show please show me some love by liking thumbs up subscribing sharing rating reviewing retweeting or whatever it is that's used to symbolize the love of the show on the platform you're using to view it you can follow me on twitter at johnny m underscore revo and at facebook.com slash just john podcast 
You can find the show in its entirety at JustJohnPodcast.com, and you can listen to the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, YouTube, Stitcher, Spreaker, or some other shit. You can email me at JustJohnPodcast at gmail.com. And remember, without you, I'm just some dude talking to himself on the internet. Until next time, peace out, fam.